Welcome to the USA Today Fantasy Sports Podcast, our weekly look at the world of fantasy sports. I'm Steve Gardner, and my guest this week is Scott Pianowski of Yahoo Sports. On the program today, we'll take a look at the fantasy matchups for week three, the fantasy trade market, and much more. But first, Scott, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this week. Uh, my pleasure, man. Uh, every football season weird in its own way, and we have a lot of weirdness in 2017. <laughs> Most definitely. And l- let's get to first uh, maybe uh, one of the weirder things, and that is the New York Giants offense. Uh, we saw that on Monday night, uh, or we didn't see it. And one of the things everybody was concerned about was Odell Beckham Jr. He did play in Week 2. He caught four passes for 36 yards. But I made the comment on Twitter earlier in the week that I think that uh, Odell Beckham could be this year's version of Jamal Charles as a guy that we knew was hurt when we had our drafts, but people still took him in the first round anyway, and they could be paying the price all season long. I know, Scott, that in the one league that we're in, the SiriusXM Invitational League, um, you and I are both one and one, and I noticed that you have Odell Beckham. Now, I'm not going to come down on you because we drafted before the injury, so for those folks uh, who drafted earlier, you get a pass. But I wonder, is this something that, uh, if you're an Odell Beckham Jr. owner, are you concerned that this is going to be a problem all season long? You have to be concerned. You know, The injury doesn't play week one, didn't look anywhere near his full throttle at week two, and this Giants offense, if you go back to last season and include the playoff game, has not made it to 20 points in eight straight weeks. Ouch. Big pro- And the personnel really hasn't changed that much. I do like the way they're using their new tight end, Evan Engram, as a slot receiver, and you know, he's only a tight end in name only. He's an interesting player. But Brandon Marshall uh, looks really old and really just disengaged right now. I don't trust Ben McAdoo. I think Eli's been playing poorly for a while. A lot of it over the years has been masked by Beckham being so great and kind of being the deodorant for this offense that everybody else can stink and Beckham can make everybody come out smelling like a rose because he makes a couple of big plays. If I owned Beckham, I mean, look, you can't do anything ridiculous. You can't drop him. You can't trade him for Eric Decker or somebody like that or Kenny Galladay. You, you don't do something like that. You have to just hold on and, and hope it, that the consumer confidence rebounds, and then maybe you can trade him after he's had a big game. But right now, the only thing you can really do with Beckham, I think, is you have to play him, you have to ride it out, hope it gets better, and then if he has a signature Beckham game, then you'll have options. Right now, I feel like you don't really have any options. Yeah, and it was tough, too, because you had Beckham play in the Sunday night game in Week 1, or not play in the Sunday Mm -hmm. night game, and then in the Monday night game. So you couldn't wait, as you could with most players that may be iffy on game day, till till the inactives are released or whatever. You had to make that call unless you had, you know, a Sterling Shepard or an Ingram or, or somebody like that. You had to either go all in on Beckham or not. And uh, that certainly has not been a good choice so far. Speaking of that Giants offense... Right. And, then, and then his problems his problems have been visible for everybody to see, too. Everybody yep. else has watched those games, too. Right. So it just, just kind of compounds the, the fact that it takes a shot to his value. It, it, the Giants offense ranks 28th overall after two weeks, and it seems like this is kind of a trend in the NFL, we have not seen, you know, offenses are bad and, and the Giants are, are terrible, but then the Colts are worse, the Jets are worse, uh, the Texans, the Niners, they're both worse. And, and I looked at, at this stat uh, this week and saw that there are 10 teams averaging less than 300 yards of total offense. And granted, yes, it's early, but only one team averaged less than 300 yards of offense last year. 
is this do you do you sense a trend in the NFL or is this something that's just it's early in the season and it takes some time for the offenses to gel? I think it's a little of both of those things, but while I expect it has to get better, I don't think it's going to get much better. I think we're going to go, come back at the end of the year and say, wow, offense was down through the league for the full season. There's just a such a lack of offensive line continuity and quality play right now and, and so many teams. It used to be that we'd have you know maybe five or six teams you had to worry about with their offensive lines. I feel like that number's like 19 now. I mean, yeah. it's only half the league. Uh, and you know, look at the way teams practice, right? I mean, there's such a emphasis on not getting anybody hurt and that's totally reasonable i mean we don't want to see anybody get hurt but you see primary players playing less in the preseason playing less in the exhibitions guys are on the sidelines at, at this very simplest of injuries and again i think that's a, a reasonable move as far as these guys as human beings but i think it's played into the continuity problems and the offensive problems and the timing problems the efficiency problems i think this is a real thing again i, I it has to get better just because it's been so bad is there's really nowhere else to go but up but I think we're going to be looking at a season where it's one of those things like if you took the under in every game in the first week, I mean, you did so well because there's just not any scoring. And a lot of these games are going way under. I think we're, you're going to see it now. The totals are going to be lower on games. We're going to see less scoring. The passing that everybody seems to be running now, it's all three-step drop, get the ball out because nobody's confident in their blocking anymore. Teams are so worried about making a mistake on offense. Turnovers obviously decide games. But – yeah, I, I get a little misty-eyed thinking about the way football used to be played on, with some teams, the way the Rams used to play with Martz and Falk and Warner oh, yeah. and all those guys. You know, five-step drop, seven-step drop. I realize that you don't always have that much generational talent on a roster. It's it's, it's a kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing. But now it's everything's three-step drop. Everything's throw the four-yard pass and hope he makes a guy miss. You routinely see teams throw short of the sticks on third down because they just don't want to take a sack or they don't want to have the play blow up on them and they're fine to punt. I mean, it seems like so many teams play like that. Buffalo had one first down at Carolina in the first half, and they weren't even challenging the sticks on third down. They were just fine to try to play an ugly game. So, yeah, I think this is a great stat that you pulled out that shows just the way football is in 2017. I think it'll get a little better. I don't think it's going to get a lot better. I think we have to adjust to it and, and try to incorporate that into our fantasy decisions for every week yeah it seems like uh everybody is underperforming pretty much so far this season so you get people you oh he's you know this guy brandon cooks for instance is, is not delivering what i thought he would do over the course of, of the first couple of weeks you know should i should i trade him um i, I think people i don't know if, if jumping uh off of the the bandwagons early or what uh, but it seems like there's an awful lot of talk about trading and, and getting rid of some of these guys and and, uh, and and expecting to get full value on them. And uh, you had something on Twitter the other day, which I saw and I thought was, was really prescient, is that, you know, everybody else knows exactly what you do. So you can't, uh, you can't pawn somebody off that's underachieving and, and pretend like they're a first-round player. And, and I think that's, you know, we talk about buy low and sell high. That's a lot easier said than done for the most part in in, uh, in most fantasy leagues. Right. Yeah, you know, your opponent has the Internet, too. Your opponent has access to, to USA Today, has access to Yahoo, Rotowire, RotoWorld, whatever it is, you know, a bunch of premium sites, wherever you get your news. Your opponent has somebody whispering into his ear a intelligent thought, too. So, you know, you can't – this idea that, okay, DeMarco Murray, he's played poorly, he's been hurt, he's been outplayed by his understudy – 
if you want to trade Murray, you're trading him to somebody who knows all those things and is never going to give you first round or second round value. It doesn't mean you can't buy low on a player, but you or you can't sell high on a player. But to sell high, you need something to sell high with. You need something that they're excited about. And to buy low, you need that person to be concerned about something. Now, an offense I would buy low on, even though I'm not sure Andy Dalton is anything great. I would buy low on if you could, and maybe you can't, but if, maybe some people can. If you get AJ Green even a tiny bit below his market value, I have a great time to try that. This schedule just didn't run out well for Cincinnati. They played Baltimore in Week One. Baltimore's got great defense. Then they play Houston in Week Two on a short turnaround, which is just the Thursday night games. You can't take anything from them. Teams don't have enough time to rest up. They don't have enough time to prepare. It's such a poor just simulation of a football game. I, mm-hmm. I never take any major thing away from Thursday as long as nobody suffered a significant injury. A.J. Green's fine. I think Joe Mixon eventually is going to get a shot with this offense. We know they switch coordinators. They have their scapegoat now. Maybe the guys will start playing better just because they, they don't think Ernie Zampezi is around to screw up their offense. Or it's Ken Zampezi, <laughs> one of those Zampezi. Right. Anyway, they've switched coordinators. I think Cincinnati's going to be better. And you mentioned Brandon Cooks. You know, they've changed. Obviously, he changes teams. Uh, the Patriots lose Edelman. They're still trying to figure out what's what with their offense. Uh, they played good for a half against Kansas City. They really just played good for a half at New Orleans because they only scored six points after halftime. But this team has not found its best foot yet. But uh, Cooks was open for a touchdown on Sunday, and, and Brady just happened to miss him. Cooks drew a couple of long pass interference flags in the Kansas City game. You don't get fantasy value for that, but at least it's a successful play. I think he's going to be fine. I mean, maybe he's not really a first-round player. Some people were thinking he might be once Edelman got hurt. Maybe even the second round might be a stretch for Cooks. But I still think he's a seven or eight touchdown guy. I still like the fact that he's tied to Brady. I still think they're figuring out what he runs best and how he fits in the offense. I, I know he's going to be a little bit – receivers are variance players anyway, but maybe Cooks is more boom or bust because he runs deep routes. But he's a player that – if there is, and again, I'm not guaranteeing that everybody can get this. You may be in a league where the Cooks owner is holding on and he's not worried. But there are some leagues where the Cooks owner is worried. I would go to that guy and say, hey, I'd like to trade for one of your receivers. Don't target Cooks. Don't mention Cooks first. Just kind of let the conversation organically come to Cooks. I think it's a great time where you might get him a little bit under market. I think the Patriots will ultimately get him unlocked. Yeah, that's a, a fantastic trade negotiation tactic, too, is to let the other person you know, kind of guide the conversation a little bit, but when it's your turn to maybe counter or talk about a particular player, kind of steer the conversation toward the guy that you really wanted at the at the first part. And uh, just the illusion of a choice, I think, makes for a lot more successful trade negotiations. And uh, That's a great point. It, that is a great point. You give, let them have the illusion of the choice. Absolutely, that man. People should just write that down and circle <laughs> it and highlight it. Talk, great piece of advice from you. Talking about some of the uh, the guys, you say you're not worried about Andy Dalton. I look at some of the other quarterbacks that have underachieved so far this season, uh, compared to where I think people expected them to be. Cam Newton and Kirk Cousins uh, come to mind right off the bat. Are you worried about either one of those two guys and uh, and how they will fare going on the rest of the season? I want to make it clear when I say I'm not worried about Dalton, it's in this idea that he'll be like quarterback 14, quarterback 15 mm-hmm. on the periphery of being used every week. I, I'm not saying he's going to be somebody you, you're really going to love to play. He's just going to be one of those like high-end quarterback twos, which is probably where he was ranked on most sheets before the season. Newton I'm worried about. Shoulder surgery. Didn't do a lot in the preseason. Looks rusty. Looks like a guy didn't do a lot in the preseason. But I wonder if they're going to take out those proactive runs 
They still have Stewart. They just got McCaffrey, who I know is a satellite player and he's not necessarily a workhorse running back. But this this offense is in a state of flux right now. They just lost Greg Olson, who's going to miss games for the first time since 2007. I feel sorry for anybody who drafted Greg Olson because he's been so reliable. But, you know, in the NFL, anybody can get hurt. It's uh, We just have to deal with it. But I don't think it's going to be a proactive running game for Newton anymore. I, we actually saw him slide in a game. Uh, last week where in a position where he never would have slid in, in the past. I, I, I'm not saying he's wrong to do it. I mean, he's probably just thinking about his long-term career, and that's smart, but it, it's going to take a hit out of his fantasy value. So if Newton isn't as aggressive a runner, I think we have to view him differently. In the case of Cousins, Jackson's out the door, and that changes their offense. Deshaun Jackson's one of those players, even if he never gets a target, he helps you because he just threatens the defense and stretches the defense, and they're paranoid of him so much. You're getting behind them. It just creates opportunities for just not just him, but the rest of the offense. So no Jackson. Jordan Reed's week to week for the rest of his life. I hate saying that, but it's just yeah. the, the truth right now. And Terrell Pryor doesn't have a lot of experience playing receiver. He changed teams like Cooks, like an Eric Decker. Uh, you know, he's, he's a guy in a new offense, new system, hasn't really gotten comfortable yet. We've seen some problems with drops. And isn't it funny that the guy in the Washington passing game has been doing the most is a running back. Is Chris Thompson, who's yeah. man, I, I'd love to see more of him. I know he's only 191 pounds, and they want to feel they feel like they need to spot him in the offense. But right now, he's the playmaker. He's the guy who's making the most explosive, splashy plays every week. And I'd, I'd like to see maybe a little bit more of that. I'm not sure that we will, given his body composition. But I'm worried that Cousins is getting adjusted to a world without Jackson. He's not really on the same page with Pryor yet. Reed's been dinged up. Crowder's been dinged up. So that's played into it. Uh, at the end of the day, I still think he's going to be inside the quarterback one cutoff. He's going to be somebody you probably drafted as a starter and will continue to start. Because I guess at the end of the day, I'm going to buy into, I like the depth of the targets there. They have, I don't mean how far downfield, but the, the depth of the offense, I should say. They have a lot of def- decent guys who can catch the ball. Pryor has to get better than this. Reed will probably do more than this eventually. Crowder will get healthy. They have something good going with Thompson. And I'm really a big fan of Jay Gruden. So, uh, if, maybe if you could even you may have, even have a league where somebody wants to trade Cousins for for Newton or vice versa. In that case, I would come down on the Cousins side because I think he has more to work with, and I feel better about their coaching staff. Interestingly, looking at the rankings for the first two weeks of the season among quarterbacks, the top three fantasy quarterbacks right now are Alex Smith number one, Carson Wentz number two, Trevor Simeon number three. You buying any into any of these guys being a, a top ten or maybe a, a QB one quarterback at the end of the season? Yeah, we all had that, right? We all had Smith, Wentz, and Simeon on the cover of our holdout uh, yeah. tabs and our magazines and all that. <laughs> you know, he, we had Alex Smith all over Yahoo, right? Exactly. I love football. Yeah. You, you know, if I had to bet on one of these guys sticking in the top ten, top twelve, sticking in that quarterback one conversation, I would bet on Wentz. I think they're going to be the most proactive throwing the ball. They don't have great running backs when it comes to running the ball. Yeah, like Garrett Blunt got no like no carries for uh, at all last week. Right, right. After getting of all things a touchdown catch in the first week, if you had the <laughs> the Blunt uh, Stewart touchdown catch parlay in week one, I mean, you're probably living in Hawaii right now, and I tip my cap to you, uh, along with the guy who bet every under in week one. That's <laughs> right. a good play too, but. Yeah, I think Philly's going to be the most proactive throwing the ball. I mean, I like Simeon for what he is, a Northwestern guy. He's smart. He's got a couple of really good receivers in Thomas and Sanders. But they also have a running game they, they can count on. They have one of the best defenses in football, as everybody knows. I don't think they're going to ask Simeon to win games on his own. In the case of Alex Smith, you know, Kareem Hunt, 
guy I have very little of, so I tip my cap to the Kareem Hunt people. It's, it's not that I don't think I like them in the summer. I think people just like them more than I did before Weir got hurt, and then people went more aggressively on Hunt after Weir got hurt, and you know, good for you. I Right now he's a, what, top three, top four running back. I mean, you could rank him first on any given week, and nobody could really say you're wrong. I think that offense is going to be more about Hunt. Alex Smith doesn't like to throw those 50-50 balls. I wish he'd be more proactive throwing the ball to Kelsey. To me, Kelsey's a guy who's open just by the matter that he's on the field. Mm-hmm. He's in between that. He's in between the boundaries. I mean, he's he's open to me, but Alex Smith doesn't like to take chances. He doesn't like to, to challenge the defense vertically. It's an offense a lot of times. It's a horizontal passing game, and they're fine to play for field goals. They have a decent defense. So, uh, you know, Because Wentz is going to get there with volume, because Wentz probably has the most to work with when you look at the overall passing tree. He'd be the guy of the three in this group that I can buy into the most. Great points. You're listening to the USA Today Fantasy Sports Podcast, part of the USA Today Podcast Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Stitcher, and Audioboom. And if you like what you hear, please download us, like us, and rate us on all those platforms, and follow us on Twitter at USA Today Fantasy. We're here with Scott Pianowski of Yahoo Sports, our special guest on the USA Today Fantasy Sports podcast. And and Scott, let's take a look at, at some of the top players at the skill positions in this week's rankings and uh, see who you like and who I like and uh, maybe discuss a few of them. We've got uh, Tom Brady as our number one quarterback, followed by Matthew Stafford, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, and Aaron Rodgers. Um, and then Kirk Cousins in there at the number six spot. So it looks like our rankings look for uh, Kirk Cousins to bounce back against the Oakland Raiders and uh, and have a pretty good game. Anybody stand out there, or, or are there other guys that, that you really like this week in terms of, uh, of quarterbacks? You know, a couple of things we, I think we need to talk about here. It's interesting to see the Saints on the road uh, where Breeze doesn't always play his best football, but once again, New Orleans is a defense that's getting beaten up by everybody. Sam Bradford had a field day in week one. Uh, the Patriots, mostly in the first half where they had 30 points. It seemed like they let their foot off the gas in the second half, but New England put up a big score in week two. Carolina not maybe clicking on all cylinders. We know Olsen is hurt. We know Newton is coming back from that injury, but uh, Carolina is still a heavy favorite in this game, and you would think Breeze would have to get volume to, to try to keep it competitive. He's thrown a garbage-time touchdown the last two weeks. I know you can't always count on that, but at least that reflects that the Saints are a team that even if they think they can't win the game, they still play aggressively. They still throw the ball. They still keep their starters in there. So that, that kind of helps Breeze's bottom line. I think it's interesting. I'm not going to say it's wrong. I'm just going to say this is interesting, that you have Cousins at 6 on your list, mm-hmm. Derek Carr at 10. And that's a case where I think I would actually prefer Carr just because there's been more continuity in his offense. We talked about the changes in Washington. No Jackson. They've added Pryor. Some guys are hurt there, not at 100%. Uh, Carr has a good thing going with Crabtree, a good thing going with Cooper. Uh, Lynch has helped the offense just to stay on schedule. This guy, Jalen Richard, man, uh, one of my favorite lottery tickets. You can't start him right now, but if Lynch were to go down, I think he'd be a very fun fantasy guy. And maybe even in some deeper leagues, you could start him right away just as a, you, know, you need somebody as your flex guy in, in like the 14, 16 team leagues. That some nice people game play in week two. And then a name that's not on your list, a guy who's driving me crazy, is Russell Wilson. Yeah. Uh, this team, this my favorite stat of the year so far, I say favorite in quotes because it's not really fun, but um, Jermaine Kerr scored one touchdown with the Seahawks last year. This year he has two for the Jets, also known as the worst team in football, New York <laughs> Jets, and the Seahawks have one touchdown. So I want to say that again. Kerr has outscored the Seahawks 2-1, to one. and so no Russell Wilson in the top 10. I think that's fair. Uh, Doug Baldwin's been really frustrating to me, and not so much on his play, 
but there's just the offensive line has been so poor. Wilson's running for his life. A lot of drop passes in that Sunday win over San Francisco. You don't have Russell Wilson in the top 10, and honestly, I think that's the right call right now. Yeah, he certainly has not proven to be a top 10 quarterback so far through two weeks. Another guy that I like, I think Jay Cutler is an interesting pick. We have him at number 14 this week going up against the New York Jets defense. Um, I think he's an interesting pick if uh, maybe you're going in a DFS situation. And and one guy that's not ranked this week, I, I want your opinion on this, Scott. What about Andrew Luck? If you drafted him and we're kind of hoping that, okay, we can get through a couple of weeks, but we haven't seen any progress with Andrew Luck. Is this a lost season, do you think, uh, for owners that have drafted Luck and, and hope to have him back fairly soon as the, after the season started? I'm worried it could be. Uh, they keep scratching him on Monday. I mean, they're not even giving you the illusion that he might play in the coming week. I don't think he's anywhere close to being on the field. And what happens is the team's already 0-2. Interesting, Cleveland is actually a mild favorite at Indianapolis this week, so the Colts could be on the way to 0-3. At what point does it make sense where it's like, well, this season's shot. Why rush, rush um, Buck back and, and then you know put him through, uh, you, know, you know they don't have a great offensive line, we know they lost their center. I mean, it just made me make more sense to write off the season if they get off to a horrible start and Luck can't come back soon. In leagues where people are holding Luck and they're finding waiver players they want to pick up, I don't think there's anything wrong with dropping Luck. I don't think you ever, in a one-quarterback league, have to throw a lot of resources at the position. You can always pick somebody up. You, you know, Again, you know, your, your players are frustrating you. You, you pick up a, a Smith or a Simeon or a Wentz. Maybe you get through a few weeks until you can trust Russell Wilson again or until you can trust Kirk Cousins again. It just feels like in a one-quarterback league, you don't get pressed at the position. So that's why I would never hold luck in a one-quarterback league because I feel like there's always going to be options. I always compare it to if you're, if you're in New York City and you miss a subway, you miss, a, you, know, you miss the ride, you just get another train in 10 minutes. That, to me, is how I play the fancy quarterback position in the standard league. It's different if you're playing super flex or two quarterback. Right. Then you have to you know, have depth at the position and everything. But my advice is, because here's the thing, you can't trade Luck to anybody. Nobody's going to give you anything for Luck. So if you can't play him, and if you can't trade him, and if you don't know when he's coming back, and if you don't know if the team is any good anyway, my, my, my advice would say, look, it's a game about numbers. It's a game about being on the field. Right now, Luck isn't giving you any of that, and you can't trade him because he has no trade value right now. I get people saying, I've tried to trade him, nobody wants him. So I have no problem cutting Andrew Luck. Yeah, I I have him in a couple different leagues, and I'm right almost to that point. It, it would be nice if we'd get some encouraging information like, yes, we expect him to practice this week or something like that. But as you said, they've been ruling him out on Mondays pretty regularly. I want to say one other thing about Luck. You could cut him. I'm not saying you have to cut him. I'm not saying... Okay, I got to cut him for you know some some backup tight end or something. I mean, if you need the space, if you are in an injury pinch, mm-hmm. you know, if if a couple of weeks come by, week five comes around, you have bye week problems. Those are the the things that I would cut lock. It's not that you have to cut him proactively. It's not that I'm asking you to cut him and pick up somebody who you don't even think has much value. I'm just saying that if you need the space, if you find yourself where oh, wow, I really want to pick up this player, and who am I going to cut? Andrew Luck is cuttable in those situations. But I'm not saying you have to cut him at all costs. I'm just saying consider it as an option. Yeah, I think you should have one spot on your roster in pretty much every league where that player is expendable. And if you need to pick up somebody, if something happens and you need a guy to pick up, you have a place where you can cut a guy and and fill that roster spot. Right now, Luck is not that for me, but... 
I could very well see that uh, situation coming up sometime soon. Um, running backs this week, uh, the usual suspects, Le'Veon Bell, number one, Kareem Hunt, two, Devontae Freeman is three, Ezekiel Elliott, four, LaShawn McCoy, five, and Todd Gurley in the Thursday night game is the number six running back. Uh, talking about um, uh, just those disappointing guys, Le'Veon Bell hasn't really uh, impressed in the first two weeks. Is this another one of those? Again, we go back to the preseason and guys not getting a lot of reps. Le'Veon Bell wasn't even with the team until the month of September mm-hmm. started. Um, I guess you would hope to see better things, certainly in the weeks to come from Bell. If I were redrafting, he's still my first overall pick. Uh, I, I think I would have taken him first overall last week immediately. I think now I'm, I'm more of a, I'll take 10 seconds mm-hmm. just to make sure I don't want Kareem Hunt or, somebody, or Antonio Brown or somebody else, but Big encouragement for me with Bell in the second week was that his percentage of snaps played went way up, which means they feel good about his conditioning. Uh, it's nice to see Martavis Bryant make a play. Not, not that that's necessarily directly tied to Bell, but anything that's good for the offense is probably good for the running back. Uh, Pittsburgh hasn't been at their sharpest the first two weeks. They kind of won an ugly game against Can- against Cleveland in week one. Um, they did just enough to beat Minnesota last week. So, again, you know, not being at your sharpest just means you're like 27 other NFL teams. So we, we get that. But better times are ahead for Bell. I don't think you can probably trade for him low. I think his owner is going to wait it out. But uh, I still think he's the number one player in fantasy. And I want to say something about Gurley. You know, he didn't do maybe what we wanted against the Colts. The yards per carry wasn't there. But he got a lot of volume. And in the first two weeks, they're using him more creatively than the Fisher Rams ever did. He's a lot more engaged as a pass catcher. And this is great news for girly owners because the Rams are probably at eight and eight, seven and nine, six and 10 type of team. They'll be competitive. They're probably not a playoff contender, but we need to know that Todd Gurley has a way to stay involved in games, even when they fall behind. And the fact that he's catching passes to me makes him a very volume safe running back. And there just aren't that many guys like that. Even if his yards per carry is never that great, Maybe he just becomes a player like Melvin Gordon. I mean, Melvin Gordon averages under four yards a carry for his career, but he gets used so much we can feel good about him week in, week out. I think we're getting that to that place with Todd Gurley because the new coaching staff sees him as a player who can play in all packages. Yeah, I agree 100%. It seems like there, are, there aren't, a not, uh, aren't a lot of running backs that you can trust to, uh, to be every week starters. One of those guys, though, is at number eight, and that's Jay Ajayi. Um, against the Jets, good play again this week. And what was interesting to me, maybe one of the, the most interesting stats of Week 2, Jay Ajayi was on the field for 94% of the offensive snaps that the Dolphins had last week. Um, may, I think only off the field on two offensive plays. That's amazing. I, I would worry almost that he's getting too much uh, work because – he was a little bit banged up coming into the season, but uh, you talk about three down backs, Ajay's got to be in that conversation as well. Yeah, probably a call I'd like back from the summer. I shied away from Ajayi because most of his production last year came in, in three different games. And he had a really weird season where it's like it was like over 200 or bust for Ajayi. Mm. You know, we, it's almost impossible for any back who has three 200-yard uh, run, running games in a season to not be great. You look at that list and it's like a bunch of Hall of Famers and then a couple of journeymen did it. But for the most part, it's like your Earl Campbell types. It's just stud after stud after stud. But I worried that Ajayi wasn't healthy before the season. I wasn't convinced this would be a great offensive line. And I was really impressed with what I saw in week one. I, breaking a lot of tackles, running so physically. Now, 
yeah, of course you worry about, you know, how, if he can withstand that for the whole season, but I mean, football, they're going to tackle you. I mean, you know, we can't, we can't be that afraid of that. I mean, we want our running backs to get work, so we can't really sweat it out when, you know, we know they have to deal with the attrition. I think you could rank a guy as high as you want this week. I think he's a great DFS play against the Jets. And I, again, you know, how many running backs do we feel 20 plus touches are guarantee every week? He's on that short list. So I think you're feeling pretty good right now if you own JHI. Most definitely. Uh, any other guys that, that that you are especially looking forward to this week? I, I For one, Mike Gillisley against Houston. Um, he's gotten short yardage touchdowns, got three in week one, another one in week two. But still, I, I worry that the Patriots have so many different ways they can go. We haven't seen, as we mentioned earlier, Brandon Cooks break out or have a big game. I worry being so touchdown dependent that – he may not be. I think we've got, like I said, we got him at, at 14 this week. I, I, I think he's going to be letting down a lot of fantasy owners over the course of this season. Uh, other guys that, that you see in in terms of uh, either good plays or bad plays this week? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Gillisley, and I think you hit on all the key points. He's a touchdown-dependent guy. He's a player that any week he doesn't score a touchdown, you're probably going to feel like you, you lost out on the play. But by the same token, he's on an offense that a team that's favored and probably going to be the big survivor pick this week, the Patriots. They're about a 13-point favorite. Even though Houston's defense is good, we know Houston's offense is very much a work in progress. They have a rookie quarterback. I mean, you know, they, they're running such a button-down offense when we last saw them against Cincinnati. We'd be curious to see how that changes after having time to prepare for this game. But you know, the player in this backfield, I, you can't rank him as high as Gillisley because Gillisley's gobbling up all the touchdowns. But the running back in New England I really like is James White. I thought he could have been the MVP of the Super Bowl. A lot of times it's just the default choice goes to the quarterback. Right. But White is a player they trust. He's not maybe the flashiest guy. He doesn't have the lateral agility that Deion Lewis had at his physical peak. And it's interesting that Lewis is hardly playing right now. But they know White will catch the ball when they throw it to him. They know he will make the blitz pick up when they ask him to do it. They know if they block a play that has a two-yard gain to be made, he'll make it. I, they just they trust him. The Patriots, a lot of times in the backfield, it's not so much about the athletic ability or the upside. It's about the trust. Do we know this guy isn't going to fumble? Do we know this guy has good hands? And when they find a guy they trust, you know, like a Kevin Falk or a Troy Brown, those guys become players they rely on for several seasons. I think James White has become a trust player for the Patriots. And you know, conversely, I think he's a trust player for fantasy right now. Yeah, I'm thankful I have him on uh, a couple of different teams, and uh, you can start him and may be able to start Rex Burkhead, too, as a matter of fact. We saw him get into the end zone last week. Um, among well, wide- also remember yeah. that what they're, try- what they're trying to do is replace the Julian Edelman role, right? I mean, the, the, they're trying to replace that slot receiver, mm-hmm. and maybe – Burkhead and White aren't direct comparisons for that, but they're catching a lot of those same routes that might have been Edelman routes. Yep, exactly. Uh, Speaking of uh, wide receivers, this week we have Antonio Brown, number one, no surprise, followed by Julio Jones, A.J. Green, Michael Thomas at four, Doug Baldwin, interestingly, on that uh, inept Seattle uh, offense at Tennessee is number five, Uh, Mike Evans, six, Des Bryant, seven, and Brandon Cooks, is at number eight. One of the guys I think is is interesting here, and I think fantasy owners are going to watch as we get closer to kickoff, is Jordy Nelson, who uh, laid an egg, got injured in the first uh, the first series of the Packers game in Week Two, and we still don't know. Uh, I think fifty fifty is is what he is to play this week with that quad injury. Randall Cobb also ailing as the Packers go up against Cincinnati at Lambeau. 
What do you make of this Packers offense? Now, I think as we went through the quarterback rankings, we also didn't see, uh, well, Aaron Rodgers was ranked five, but um, I think that may be a little bit too high. Yeah. I mean, offense that's you know starting to trust Ty Montgomery more, an offense that may need to play Geronimo Allison, you know, 50 or 60 snaps this week if Nelson can't go. We saw... It's a little bit unfair to take the Packers at face value when they lose Nelson in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they know Nelson can't play this week, and we're a long way from knowing that for sure, but, man, I, I, you know, I want to trust Cobb right now. I want to feel good about the way Cobb's playing, but he's had so much trouble staying healthy. I think the Bengals are going to keep this game close. I, I like the fact that you have A.J. Green at three. We talked about him as – I think we talked about him, or I meant to anyway, as a possible buy-low. It's not oh, yeah. that you can get it, but if your Green owner in your league is, is so paranoid about Dalton – that maybe you can get him even a little bit under market. If you paid 90 or 95 cents for A.J. Green, I'd be thinking you're doing well. I still feel really good about him. And because so many offenses are struggling, and you get players that have easy flags on them. I mean, a 12th on your list is T.Y. Hilton, who I love. But, I mean, can we feel good about their quarterbacks? Probably not. 13th on your list is Pierre Garçon, who I think is a good player, but this offense has gone nowhere in two weeks. I'm not picking on your ranks because my, my top 20 receivers are going to have guys like this too. I think it just speaks to how so many offenses aren't clicking right now, and you are going to come very quickly, whether it be in your rankings or in your lineup decisions or in your DFS decisions, you're very quickly going to have to come up with a guy. You have Doug Baldwin's at five. He hasn't done anything yet. Uh, although his yardage has been fine when you consider how poorly the offense is playing, but still no touchdowns. You're very quickly going to have to push the button on a guy and think, geez, this guy isn't doing anything right now. Or I don't like this offense, but I have to roll this player out because he's the best option I have. That is football right now in 2017. Yeah, and I, I've seen the, the matchups this week. It looks like they're, the, the good players are facing better defenses, and the guys that have struggled so far this season are the ones that are going up against the uh, the worst defenses. And so, again, you have to make some of those calls. And if you don't have, for instance, Doug Baldwin at number five, who are you going to move up? <laughs> you know, it, it's really tough. Um, so finding guys that, uh, that will deliver that you can count on. I look at, um, you know, Stephon Diggs had a big week one with Sam Bradford under center, but no Sam Bradford last mm-hmm. week. I don't know. We don't know if Sam Bradford's going to be able to play this week. It's such a tough call on on so many of these guys. And, uh, yeah, it's if you have uh, opportunities where, you know, you can have flex spots and, and hold guys out until you see – if players are are healthy and active or inactive, I think that's the best way to approach it. There are no, again, like we were saying with with running backs, it's it's almost hard to trust or find enough wide receivers to trust this year. Right, and so what you want, another way to combat this is you ask yourself what can go right with a player. For example, in Cleveland, Kenny Britt's got off to a terrible start. Corey Coleman's going to be out for several weeks now breaking his hand or his wrist. I forget which one it was, but he's out for several weeks, and he basically is cuttable in fantasy leagues. Rashard Higgins comes off the practice squad on no fantasy teams. I was in a league that drafted 400 players, and, and Higgins wasn't drafted. Mm-hmm. But he looked like their best receiver in week two. I don't, I don't care. This is one of the great things about football. If somebody's productive and is getting usage and a team trusts him, I don't care what I knew about him. I don't care what his pedigree is, although Higgins actually was a good college player. I just care that, well, they – they're using him. He looked good last week. I get a figure he's going to have a role this week at Indianapolis. I would be adding Higgins anywhere I can. I actually have him inside the top 40, which, which may not sound like that much, but I have him ahead of Macklin. I have him ahead of Thielen, who's a player I love, but I don't know about Bradford yet. I have him ahead of Jamison Crowder, who's off to a slow start. 
and, and, and who knows? Maybe I have Higgins too high. But the, the bottom line is, if you can get a guy like Higgins, even if he's just on your bench, and you're going to give him an opportunity to maybe grow into a spot in Cleveland, I mean, that's what you have to do. You can't think to yourself, well, I didn't like this guy a month ago. I didn't know who this guy was two weeks ago. This guy couldn't even make the Browns' opening day roster. Why do I want him? You can't think that way. You have to think he's productive. They like him. They're down on one of their other receivers. Their other receiver, a primary receiver, got hurt. So things have fallen well for him. You know, Jermaine Curse is another guy. I mean, I yep. talked about him jokingly having the two touchdowns. The Seahawks only have one. I thought Curse was one of the worst receivers in football last year. But now he's on the Jets. Now he's their target leader. He's had success. When you succeed in the NFL, you know what they do? They give you the ball again. They give you the, the pass again. They give you the chance to be successful again. And so a lot of times who's producing, who's getting opportunity, who's getting an expanded role, that has to be a big part of why we play some guys or why we add some guys for depth. And I think you hit on a really good point here about why fantasy football is a lot different than fantasy baseball in that we always mm-hmm. have preached you know, patience in fantasy baseball, and, and you, you have to wait to see how, when we talk a lot about when uh, skills stabilize and statistics stabilize. In, in fantasy football, you've got to jump on some of these guys almost sight unseen sometimes because you never know what they could be in three weeks or something like that. I think one of those guys, um, uh, Collins, wide, uh, running back, um, what's his first name? Help me out. Uh, used to be on the Seahawks. Um, Alex Collins of the Ravens. Yeah, yeah got, some, got some chances because Terrence West came out of the game last week. And all of a sudden, you know, if West is down for a period of time or gets hurt and Buck Allen is kind of the receiving guy that doesn't get a whole lot of touches in the running game, Alex Collins could be a guy that steps in. I mean, we've seen how many times guys come in in midseason and become the guy. C.J. Anderson, you know, back a few years ago was was mm-hmm. basically a nobody until he got an opportunity to start and then all of a sudden he was carrying guys to to fantasy championships. Pierre Thomas did that for me one time back what 5 mm-hmm. year 5 or so years ago. I, I think that's a great point to where these guys, you know, yeah, you can see who's getting usage but you never know uh how long into the, you know, into the future how roles will develop because you've got so many injuries and teams need to have such deep rosters. Yeah, C.J. Anderson was a pickup one year. I know nobody wants to hear these stories, but I'll tell a 20-second version of one. One year, I was 6-7 and seven in the league, snuck into the playoffs, picked up C.J. Anderson right around that time, and he won the title for me. I mean, it was all him. It wasn't me. Uh, I, I think if I got any money for that or a trophy, I should probably just give it to C.J. Anderson because <laughs> he was a monster down the stretch. And you know, Alex Collins is a great player to mention. That We always have to ask ourselves, who is one player away? Yep. Who is one injury away? Who is one plausible uh, outcome away from having a significant fantasy role? We talked about maybe Jalen Richard is that player in Oakland, and maybe Alex Collins is that way in Baltimore. And, you know, we need to know more than ever, we need to at least be familiar with these depth charts, and it needs to go down really, you know, four, five, six players at every position. Geronimo Allison is completely off the radar in Green Bay, but what if Nelson's hurt? What if Combs hurt? He may have to play. Anybody catching passes from Aaron Rodgers has a chance. I mean, we thought Devontae Adams couldn't play two years ago. Last year he was borderline pro baller and certainly a fantasy difference maker because they needed him to play. They kept throwing him the ball. They established some trust. So uh, to me, yeah, again, I didn't know much about Rashard Higgins a couple weeks ago, but I I know a lot about him now. And I I think you make a great point with Higgins. You know, he's – I'm sorry. You make a great point with Alex Collins. Uh, I think Rashard's one of those guys. Ask yourself, who is one injury away – or one depth chart 
shuffling away from being fantasy relevant. Those are a lot of times not the guys you're bidding on on Wednesday, but they're the guys you're picking up for free on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, on Sunday. In Superflex Leagues, I picked up some of this Beathard, the, the backup for San Francisco, right. just thinking, what if Hoyer gets hurt? What if Hoyer continues to play poorly? Again, you wouldn't have him in a standard league, but I think Beathard is a very interesting play in a Superflex League where any starting quarterback is valuable. Yep, C.J. Beathard, I, I think I saw him, uh, didn't he make just this ridiculous uh, scramble run for a long touchdown in preseason? You know, guys like that, uh, if they have talent, they could be deployed. All right, finally, before we close things out, let's take a look at uh, a quick look at the tight ends. Delaney Walker gets the number one spot for us this week. Zach Ertz, number two. Travis Kelsey, three. Jack Doyle, four. And Kyle Rudolph, five. Scott, with the, all the injuries we've seen to tight ends, that's a, a very unfamiliar top five. Uh, you would expect to see somebody like a Greg Olson or a Rob Gronkowski in there, and uh, it's just that position has been hit so hard already this season. Yeah, hit with injuries, uh, hit with underperformance. Um, in some cases, it's guys blocking. In some cases, it's guys dropping passes or not getting separation. I was asked a lot of times this week what to do with Jimmy Graham, and one person tweeted to me, should I drop Graham for Doyle? And thought about it and said, you know what, I would drop, I would drop Jimmy Graham for Doyle. Because I, I think Doyle right now is the, is the number one receiver in this Colts offense, and I know it's a bad team, but uh, Doyle I thought was really good last week, caught all of his targets. If they ever do get Andrew Luck back, and I don't feel like that's any kind of a guarantee, then his value would take even another step forward. But this is a position I'm willing to be proactive at. I think Ertz is a chance to be the number one tight end at the end of the year. I have no problem trading a walker for Ertz or making a trade for Ertz if you found yourself in a position where your tight ends were weak. But I'm not holding on to Jimmy Graham. I'm probably not going to wait on Greg Olson, and I hate to say that, one of my favorite players. But tight end is always a position that I think you need to be aggressive, proactive, and not wait around. I mean, when guys emerge, Evan Ingram for the Giants, as much as that offense scares us right now, Mm -hmm. they're using him as a slot receiver. You know, as a guy who doesn't put his hand on the ground, I think he's another guy that people should be viewing as somebody to go out and grab right now. Most definitely. All right, Scott, uh, let's uh, let's uh, close things out here. You've got your uh, hands in so many different things there at Yahoo Sports. Maybe give us an idea as to what to, you like uh, to promote or to talk about or what you're most proud of that's going on. Yeah, sure. I uh, appreciate that. Um, Yahoo Sports, Roto Arcade is the blog. Uh, Scott Pianowski, uh, Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter, which is um, – 17, 18 hours a day, you have a good chance of getting me. I probably spend too much time on Twitter, but it's all it's all good fun. Me too. We talk some sports. We talk some baseball. We talk some football. We, As you and I love to do, Steve, we'll talk music. We'll talk life. We'll talk movies. So grab me over there. Uh, Sunday, Fantasy Football Live is a program that Yahoo does. We're very proud of. 90 minutes and uh, before kickoff and until kickoff. We also have the London game is going to be broadcast on Yahoo, the, the Jaguars and the, and the Ravens. Hope you tune in for that on Sunday night. And if you enjoy podcasts like this one, if you enjoy listening to me talk and you know, that's, I'm going to leave that up to you. Some people do, some people don't, but uh, Michael Salfino and I do something called the breakfast table podcast. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, the breakfast table podcast, uh, available on SoundCloud and iTunes and anywhere you find a podcast breakfast underscore pod is the Twitter account. So if, uh, you want to listen to Mike and I complain about stuff and disagree, and talk some football. We do that a few times every week. I hope you check that out. I, I enjoy that podcast too, folks. So uh, listen to me, listen to Scott, listen to 
Mike Salfino as well. Um, and uh, that should do it uh, for this edition of the USA Today Fantasy Sports Podcast. Scott Pianowski of Yahoo Sports, thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Steve. Always good to talk to you. All right. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. I'm at Steve A. Gardner, and Scott is at Scott underscore Pianowski. And don't forget, we're posting new fantasy football, fantasy baseball content. We haven't forgotten about fantasy baseball. Putting that up every day at fantasy.usatoday.com. So for Scott Pianowski, this is Steve Gardner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.